Welcome to the Success by Design podcast, where we teach professional women to achieve success on their own terms. In a world that often tells us we're not enough and that success requires sacrificing our well-being, we're here to challenge that narrative. Our podcast teaches you how to close your confidence gap, avoid burnout and overwhelm, and navigate demanding careers without sacrificing your personal life. We provide actionable strategies and insights to help you boost your peace, your potential, and your paycheck. Subscribe and review our podcast today, and let's start designing the life you deserve. Hello, family, and welcome to the Success by Design podcast. I am so, so excited because we have a gift with us today. We have Joyce Odideason, and Joyce is the president and CEO of Interpersonal Wellness Services. She is the founder of the annual Global Workplace Wellness Summit. She's a sought-after international keynote speaker, and she talks about conflict analysis. She's a master certified coach. She's a DE&I consultant and a well-being expert. Need I say more? Joyce, welcome so much to our show. Well, thank you, Haley, for welcoming me and inviting me to be on your show. Love it. Let me start with this. Many of the clients that we have right now lives because of all the changes that you mentioned, and there's a lot of conflict, whether it's the conflict are stated or they are convert, they are conflict. Now, how do you support someone that is in a toxic environment? Recognize that they are in toxic environment. And I'm going to tap into your conflict management role while touching into the resilience interpersonal wellness because they feel stuck especially when they have the golden handcuff around their hands. And I completely agree with you with the fact that mid-management and management are feeling stuck and it's heavy on them right now, especially because of everything that's happening right now post-pandemic. So my question to you is, based on the model, how do we support these managers and these leaders who are going through what they're going through with all the changes and structures and yet still are in a toxic environment? I hear this thing about the toxic environment a lot. And the environment didn't start out being toxic. It's the behavior, the interaction, and the way people communicate that makes an environment toxic. And the mindset. So that's where we tackle. We tackle the mindset. So our well-being intelligence curriculum focus on mindset, behavior, action, and we have KPIs built into it, right? So we're looking at the problem. What is the issue? What are some possible solutions and what are the KPIs? Because we're not just talking well-being. I'm so tired of people just talking well-being. And when clients come to us, they're like, you have a framework. Most people just say they're a wellness person and we have no way to measure the impact of what they're doing. And so facilitators and coaches who come into a program and we certify, we are giving them a tool, a framework that everyone can see and their KPIs. Because we are in the corporate world and business is in business to make money. And in order for you to make money in your business, you need to cut out the distractions. And the distractions are making us less creative, less innovative. What is the mindset? So your boss came in this morning and didn't say good morning. You are now depressed. You are worried. You did something. You are now texting your husband. Oh, didn't say good morning to me. I don't know what I did sense. That's waste of energy. Your boss didn't say good morning. Get up and go say good morning. How are you? I am here for you. Is there anything you need? Have mercy. We're humans. We have the highest level of intelligence on the planet, but we don't use it anymore because we do stress thinking. 
and we're so vulnerable. We haven't worked on our self-esteem so that everything around us, everything someone else does, it's because of us. When did we become so important? I was like, hey, I catch myself in it. I, my question is, choice, when did you become so important? It really, did that person get up this morning and put on their pants just because you breathe it? No, they would even if you were not here. So pick up yourself, go and say, is there something I can do? Can I support you? People are stuck in the most ridiculous conflicts. How did it start? One of the things we do, I do as a conflict analyst, is I like to ask people, so how did this conflict start? I have a model where I teach a framework on conflict progression, how to respond to conflict as a leader, how to understand when you should participate or you should get involved in the conflict. Because you should, as, as a relational leader, you should be developing your people with the skills they need that they can handle those interpersonal issues before they come to you. If you are the person they go to for every problem, then the problem is you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I do want to give you a round of applause for that because that was amazing. And thinking exactly what you said about it's not about us, right? Who made us so important? We have to step outside of ourselves and go and just do what we know we should be doing. I love that. So tell me a little bit about the 12 competencies. What is that about? What are those 12 competencies you mentioned? So each of the competencies align with one of the nine dimensions of well-being. And we started off looking at what are the competencies we need to teach so people can actually develop spiritually. So we start with the model has two quadrants. We do uh, spiritual, social, emotional, occupational on one. And then we do intellectual, environmental, financial, and physical on the other quadrant. And the core of it is interpersonal because everything drops into that interpersonal. You know, I read this message. It bothers me. I'm not myself. Every time you think of asking, oh, that person looks off today or they're, that's part of the interpersonal, the way they're reflecting what's happening in their life. That's how we are. We're humans. And so for each dimension, there is a competency we work towards. And in spiritual, we work towards integrity. And you say, Joyce, why integrity? Because integrity is at the core of who we are. If you're living in integrity with who you are, with your values, with your culture, with your vision, with your purpose and balance, you will achieve what you're meant to achieve on the planet. But too often, one of the, my favorite exercises to do with groups is to say, tell me, let's look at your values. What are your top 10 values? And I have to remind him, don't go Google values and write all the values that Google says that you should have on that list. I want you to go home and ask your spouse or your significant other or somebody that knows you, do those values. Do I reflect those values in my life? The values are the things you, if I moved in across the street from you, or if I take the next cubicle next to you, or if I join your team, would I see those values reflected in your behavior, your interactions? Are they true to who you are? Because what we do reflects our values. If one of your values is to live clean, then I should see that in everything you do. People should be commenting about, hey, I like that. Oh, I noticed that of you. It should be part of who you are and what you do. Too often we think we value something, but it doesn't show up any way in our lives. So we have to do that test of integrity. Am I living integral to my values, to what I believe in? Are my values aligned in my life and in my relationships? Have mercy. And so when we start asking those questions, the thing, because the spiritual element of us is that invisible part of us that we bring to the workplace. That's when they say that person doesn't fit in. I wonder why. 
And it is at the core of everything we do socially, emotionally, occupationally, intellectually, environmentally, physically, interpersonally. Everything goes back to that integral part of who we are, because that's what we're exemplifying in our day-to-day interactions and in our conversations. So we need to challenge ourselves to live in integrity with our beliefs. Beliefs are part of the spiritual element of our lives. And you could go to church from Sunday to Saturday, 24-7, and not be spiritually well. It has nothing to do with church and religion. Religion is an element of spirituality. It's an institution that allows us to express us. But there are some people at church who are very spiritually unwell. They're not living in integrity. And it's an easy thing to do in humans. For So we need to start thinking, am I living integrally? Am I practicing those values that I say I have? Where are they showing up in my life? Are they showing up in my relationship? What did I say to my husband this morning? And does that align with my values? So we have to check ourselves. And once we do that, we're finding that we're now bringing it down into responsible communication, which is aligns with the social wellness. I used to teach effective communication all the time as a conflict analyst, always teaching communication. Everybody's like, oh, I practice it. But nobody was being responsible. And so I come up with the word responsible communication. And that's the one we attach to social, social well-being. And in there, we look at, is my communication harmless? Am I communicating in a way that doesn't cause harm with what I say, my interaction, my exchanges, my words? Does it cause harm? And is it my responsibility to address it if it causes harm? So it takes effective communication and it expands it into, and what is my responsibility to it? And so... That is the second competency we look at. Then we go into the emotional well-being dimension. And the competency we pull out there is self-mastery. Mastering my emotions, mastering my thoughts, mastering my mindset, mastering those feelings that get us all over the place. And, you know, we're happy one minute, we're crying. Emotions are supposed to be dynamic, right? And we're supposed to feel and experience. Emotions are the way we experience life. And it's not who we ever become. I don't become hate because I hate something. I am Joyce. I only become hate if I dwell on hate and that's all I focus on. So we are more than our emotions. And too often we give our emotions away. We give ourselves away to our emotions. And we are so much more than the emotions we're experiencing in that space on top. Because it's going to change. It's part of the human experience. Our experiences are not static. It's dynamic. And so the experience I'm having now does not become me. I am integral to me being human. And the experience, the emotion is what I'm experiencing right now. I'm experiencing joy. I get to talk to you beautiful women, right? But then I experience a different experience when I go to get my team up to date and, and work and we're, I'm going to that place of creativity and asking the next question and critical thinking because we're going into a session of, okay, how can we make this better? So it's an experience and we need to manage those emotions, manage those feelings and recognize and value them because they bring us insight about who we are and how we connect with others because that's why we're here on the planet. And we go into occupational. Then we look at engagement. What kind of engagement do we want in our organization? Between leadership, among leadership and employees, among teams, around our jobs. How do we feel about that? 
Those are important aspects of engagement that we tend not to pay attention to. So we go into that conversation and say, how do you engage with somebody who is rude and disrespectful at work? How do you engage with a leader who cannot lead? What do you say? How do you manage that? So we go into engagement and what does it mean? How do we create an engaging environment at work that makes people want to actually get up if they're at home, go to their desk, rather than to their kitchen or come out to work for a physical location. We need to now think about that, what makes the workplace environment engaging. Then we move over to capacity building because we're now in intellectual wellness. And this is what we're looking at, critical thinking, decision-making, experience, learning, personal growth, because we're, we're now taxing that intellectual capacity that we have and bringing that into who we are and that we have to set goals. We need to have new vision. We need to move. So it actualizes a lot of the pieces in the spiritual well-being. And the dimensions are very interconnected. They are all intertwined and build upon each other. So when we go into that intellectual wellness, if you have low self-esteem, you can't fully actualize your capacity. So we need you to take care of yourself spiritually so you can build your capacity, right? And then we go into environmental and we look at interdependence. We're interconnected. We need each other. We need to learn how to share, how to grow, how to take what we have and expand it and to see how interconnected we are to our environment because that's important. If we, we don't in this time of global warming, then I don't know what's going to wake us up. And our colleagues, right? No matter what race, creed, whatever diversity they bring, we all need each other. And that's what interdependence does. Then we go into financial and we look at innovation. That's the competency we focus on there. Innovation, creativity, that's where financial growth comes from. It's the innovation, the creativity, the new ideas we bring from that intellectual capacity into understanding of who we are, into innovation so we can be more innovative in our workplaces, in our organizations, in our lives, in our very businesses. And of course, we go to the physical, which is vibrancy, vibrant. You have to be alive, stamina. We look at managing diseases, nutrition, all the different aspects that come into creating this vessel that we walk around in, right? And so we're harnessing the, the blessings of that and the activity that needs for us to be excellent in what we do. And so vibrancy is the competence we work on there. And in interpersonal, we, we work on resilience because it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, when things are tough. Guess where you get your resilience from? The people in your life, the ability to forgive, the ability to feel that sense of belonging, the ability to resolve issues and move on and to pick ourselves up and rebirth and, and go. And that's, we talk about resilience and we go into the emotional resilience, the physical, all the different pieces. And we break that down and say, what is resilience and how do we become more resilient emotionally, mentally, socially uh, as, as, we, as we grow? And then we've added three additional competencies because our organization was like, just what do we do after nine? months. Now, like, well, some of the dimensions are really big, so we can add. And so October, we go into visioning. The curriculum flows over 12 months. And what organizations do is within each competency we have, we do blogs, posts, newsletters. I was counting this month, we have like 20 courses. For instance, this month we're doing visioning and we're breaking it down into being able to have a vision for yourself. Who are you going to become? What do you want to do? And so we have little courses that give them uh, crafting a practical vision, understanding how vision impacts your well-being and why it's so important to have that. 
the power of foresight and how it impacts your emotional wellness, visioning and mental health, resilience as the heartbeat of vision, like crafting those practical vision, the essence of what. So we really go in and now we build the courses. And so we have a number of different courses in the curriculum. We have choices. So depending on where your employees are struggling, right? Do you have employees who are short-sighted and you're, you have to tell them the same thing? They can't think outside the box, right? And so depending on where they are, you can choose which of the courses in the curriculum you want to execute. You might have one person on your team taking a particular course because that's where they're struggling right now. You may bring it in for your team and then you may want to create a group coaching for them. And we have a monthly well-being reset program that we run every month. And that gives us an overview of one particular competency. So we're running it this month on vision because that's the competency we're working on. In November, we work on belonging as a competency. And then in December, we work on attending the whole concept of attending listening, paying attention to, and attention span, you <laughs> know, ability to do that, ability to create that, that sense of belonging, you know, in our relationships, in our workplaces and vision, like what does a vision look like, right? What is a vision quest, the practices of modern well-being and, and having that vision in your workplace. So those are some of the pieces behind the curriculum that we roll out and, and will be further expanding on at the Global Workplace Wellness Summit in November 2nd and 3rd. I actually wanted to talk to you about the summit, but before we do that, coming back to the competency, you said that it's roles within an organization for nine months. So is it every week? How is it? Like it's a training, it's a workshop, like just walk us through for our listeners who's trying to understand, okay, that's mm-hmm. a lot, it's 12. So how are they incorporating those competency within their workplace and how can they ask their organization to bring you in? So there are a couple of ways they can do that. One, we can come in for learning and development. So they may, for instance, each month we focus on one particular competency. For the month of October, the competency we're focusing on is vision. And we're looking at how does vision help us to improve well-being. And I mean, all of us have had people who are like, this person has no focus, no vision. And you can see that as a leader. Some employees just doesn't have, they don't have those skills, right? They need tips on how to create their life's vision, how vision can help them to reduce stress. So we have one on the role of vision in stress management. We look at uh, tapping into your inner guide for well-being. What does that look like? So we have workshops. We also have roundtables we facilitate. We have mini e-courses. That's part of that. We do workshops and then each month we do a well-being reset and it's going to be focused on one competency. And in there, we're going to look at some of the different courses, topics, some of the different exercises exercises, we have little quizzes, all the different pieces that they can use to expand their mindset around how they can use visioning to build their own well-being. And what the curriculum does, for instance, in the month of October, it's very realistic for us to start thinking, what does well-being look like in our workplace in the next year? We have two months to plan. We're taking this time to sort of carve out what that is. And we work with our organizations to say, okay, what do you want to do? What are some exercises and what are some contests? Or do you want to run any kind of challenges for your employees around vision? Or if it's like last month, we did resilience. So 
What are the challenges? What's the workshop? What's the e-course? What's the exercise? What are some of the true and false questions you can ask? All the different things that helps people to uh, start thinking. What are some of the exercises? What are some of the foods that you might think? One of the things that I do for myself, every year I get older, I look at what do I need to cut out of my diet or add to my diet that will help me to maintain my health and well-being because I'm big on eating. We are what we eat and anything you eat is what makes up your cells. So for me, I'm looking at how the certain foods or my body react to certain foods every year. And I was different. So this year, one of the things I did was cut out chicken. Based on my research, there's so much chemicals and antibiotics and stuff that we feed the chicken. They're no longer chicken. And so for me personally, my family still eat chicken. I cook chicken almost every day. My husband is a chicken eater and he was very nervous. Oh, you're not eating chicken. I was like, that has nothing to do with you. We have two different plates. I can cook your meal. You can still eat your chicken. And so I have to stop and say, what is healthy for me is not necessarily healthy for my husband. I think if I took chicken away from him, he might get depression and that wouldn't be good. So you have to start thinking really logically, what's good for me isn't good for the other person. And so what are some of the things that you need to do? What is your vision? For me, my vision is that I'm at 85. I can still walk. I can still talk. I still have some teeth. That's mine. You know, I'm not on dialysis because I was born with only one kidney. So I have a vision of where I want to be in the next 40 years. So everything I do in my life is aligned with that vision. And so I will say no to a lot of things because it doesn't align with my vision, right? And so for me, that's what's important. And when we talk about vision in our organization, it's very important to bring our employees into that conversation. What's your vision for us or for yourself here in the organization? What does that look like? People say, oh, I have a bad reputation at work. Well, that didn't fall from the sky. What did you do to earn that bad reputation? And how do you fix it? Like what support do you need? How can we help you? I mean, when I started doing this work, I had a reputation of if you have somebody who is nobody wants to work with, nobody talk to you, you fired a few times, send them to Joyce, right? <laughs> I was like, I work with the most resistant, hard to manage, unruly employee, adults, <laughs> employees, right? We're not talking about tra- grade school here, right? And those are my clients. That's where I cut my teeth. These are my clients. They've had every grievance they, they could grieve. They've grieved it. Anybody that could remove themselves from working in their vicinity has done so. And so those are my clients. That's where we started. And so a lot of times it's practical common sense that helps them to say, okay, what do you need to do to get a different result? We can't go doing the same thing if we want a different result. Because in your workplace, you get branded. And when you get branded and you have a name and they refer to you that, it's hard to remove that. And so you have to truly transform your behavior. And we would get calls like, what did you do to Harry? I was like, nothing. Are you sure? Because that's not the Harry who started working with you. He's really good. People want to work with Harry here. And Harry now goes back to work and tells Sally, Sally, you need to tell them to send you to go work with Joyce. You know? And they would call him and say, we can't afford to send everybody to work with him. I was like, why are you telling me that? Because Harry wants Sally to come. And Joan, and I was like, okay, you're making them too happy. You're treating them too good. I was like, I am not. I'm just practical common sense. That's all we do. We're just developing competencies that they go back. And they would call me the way, Joyce, I caught myself today. I was going to do this. I was going to say that. And I caught myself saying that and I stopped. I was like, good for you. And that's what competencies does because it's coachable and people can learn competencies. You don't just tell people what to do. There need to be ways to measure it based on the results, based on the impact. And that's why we built the KPIs into our well-being curriculum competencies. 
Man, Joyce, you're so hilarious. I had to put myself off mute on mute. <laughs> that was like cracking up. And usually I'm off and I'm like, oh no, this, I cannot have my voice cracking up like that. Oh my God, you're so hilarious. So thank you so much for that. I could talk to you and I believe Haley, I could see her nodding. We could talk to you forever. I know you're having a summit coming up. Talk to us about the summit. Who is it for? When is it? And how can we have a hold of some tickets? Well, we host the Global Workplace Wellness Summit, and this is our sixth annual summit. As I was saying to Hurley earlier, the summit was birthed in California. I was working on a project with the San Mateo College, and I had this idea that we should do an event, and they listened to me, and I hosted the event and, and sponsored in their beautiful campus, and that was the birth of the Global Workplace Wellness Summit, and that was back in 2018. And then, of course, we did 2020, we were back, that we were getting ready to go when COVID happened. And so 2019, we ran virtually build up our virtual following and our more of a global following then and um we've been online and in 2022 last year we did our first live since covid and this year we're doing our sixth annual summit and it's a hybrid it's it's live here in winnipeg and we have virtual passes for organizations and we're really saying the summit is a well-being reset for your employees it is a place to have one of the things we're hosting is the ceo roundtable we want ceos to weigh in on on that because the workplace is the last frontier to deal with these well-being issues before they become social problems. And with the way things are going, we have no money for healthcare, things are really expensive. We cannot afford any more taxes. We need to deal with these problems in the workplace where people actually have to come to work and they have to behave in a certain way because they want to keep their job. And there is a little bit of conformity already built into having a job. And if we can use that and piggyback on that to introduce well-being competencies that's integrated within the organization. And one of the things we do with HR departments and organizations is that we show them how to integrate the competencies into their curriculums already. And they'll say, Joyce, we've spent so much. We've created this leadership program. It's like, hey, let's show you how to integrate the competencies into what you do. And we actually have a map. It helps them to see that they've already integrated some of these competencies. They just need to relabel them because there's a research that shows that people, when they know what they're doing and the impact they're having and they change their thinking around it, they actually start to get the new benefits from it. So we want to show them how to remap and integrate the well-being competencies because when you look at their vision and values, they already speak to some of these competencies. What they're missing is the actionable part and the key competencies and KPIs. So what we do is help them to build that into what they're already doing so that they can truly integrate well-being into their organizations and it can be part of the language in the workplace. And it's not, oh, the wellness world. I will ask people, I'll, I'll say to them, oh, uh, do you guys have a wellness world? Oh, you mean the thing, those yogi people or or those people who go jogging or you mean those gym folks? So yeah, yeah, those gym rats. It shouldn't be like that. Well-being should be something that everyone experiences in the workplace. Because when you look at what is well-being, well-being is the social, the emotional, the psychological aspects that, right, that we apply to feeling comfortable, feeling a sense of belonging, feeling purposeful happy and contented with our life, but that doesn't happen falling from the sky. There are things we have to do to ensure that we reap those results. And if we're going around making poor decisions, doing things, living out of alignment with our values, then we're going to end up in a place where we're full of regrets, we're unhappy, it's going to lead to depression. All of those things are going to be part of what we're facing rather than what we want. So let's be more focused and more uh, purposeful on reaping the results we want. 
I love this. Uh, remind us, when is the summit? The summit is happening November 2nd and 3rd, 2023. And uh, our website is, we have two websites. You can go to either. The summit website is the Global Workplace Wellness Summit.com. So if you go to www.globalworkplacewellnesssummit.com, you will find us. Or you go to our website at interpersonalwellness.com. You'll also get a link to the summit because it's our annual event where we bring in and we package and we help organizations to understand what well-being is and how they can foster that in their workplace well for starters i'm actually very happy it's in canada <laughs> so i have to say i know Haley was talking about can you bring it to the united states yes but please keep it in canada two versions yeah exactly two versions for one for us and one for you so joyce i want to say thank you on behalf of our listeners Thank you so much for coming and joining. And I'm pretty sure you and I and Haley will be talking more. I really do believe in your vision and I believe in building more resilience. And I love the fact that you're linking it with interpersonal because it's so, so important. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So family, here you have it. A great talk and conversation. Please make sure that you grab your ticket for the summit. And on this note, I'm going to remind you, you intentionally design your success today. So go out there and make it happen. So have a good one. That's it for this episode. And as always, you have the power to create the life you want. So go out there and intentionally design your success today. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time on the Success by Design podcast.